Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We have got an excellent uh, lesson today in this session concerning the miracle life of the Lord Jesus Christ and how the works of the Lord Jesus affect us today. Praise God. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful lesson concerning the the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I hope that uh, we all can glean some great things that will help us in our movement towards the things of God and our maturity concerning uh, our Christian life. Amen. Praise God. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much that we have the Holy Spirit who is our helper, and he will help us, he will guide us today, and Lord, we just give you thanks for that, and we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God, hallelujah. Now, there is a parable that uh, we have already covered in uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, when we were uh, studying the Sermon on the Mount, but... Luke records this parable, and uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark in this session. And I want to read this parable to you because it has so great a bearing upon the growth of us when it comes to spiritual maturity. And, of course, this parable is found in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret that it should come abroad. And then Jesus said, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Now this is very important, because uh, it is very important for us to take heed what we hear. Just don't listen to every preacher. You have got to guard yourself when it comes uh, to certain teachings that go around either on the Internet, on radio or on television uh, that are not really what the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And so this verse, what Jesus says, flips both ways. If you study to show yourself approved unto God and if you pay attention to to hearing what the true word of God is, that, that that word is going to be measured to you, and it'll be measured to you abundantly, and more of it will be given. But if you start listening to people who all they preach is doubt, unbelief, failure, uh, a sin consciousness, uh, that right there, if you listen to that, if you receive that, that's going to be measured to you. And more of it will be given to you. And so uh, you need and I need, we need, as, as, as Christians who are pursuing um, perfection, uh, we need to guard our heart to make sure that what we are getting is the word of God. So prove everything. That's what Paul told us, uh, told the Thessalonians to do. That's what he's telling us to do today. Prove all things and then hold fast uh, to uh, the truth. Praise God. Amen. 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 And so we're going to go on now. We're going to uh, go over to uh, the three miracles that we're going to cover today. And these are all found in the Gospel of Mark. 
and the first miracle that we're going to look at is going to be uh, the event in the ministry of Jesus where he st- stills uh, the tempest at the end of his busy day. Now, think about this now. Uh, the Lord has ministered all day. All right, so we'll begin reading Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And the same day when evening was come, he said to them, said to the disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. So this event that Mark records is the culmination of the Lord's busy day. Now, he's been ministering all day. He's been contending with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the religious people. Uh, He healed a man in Sabbath service. Uh, Jesus was the center of attention that day in the synagogue, (laughs) praise God. So he leaves the Sabbath service and the multitudes follow him and he heals them all. Listen to that. He heals them all. Now, we're talking about the synagogue now in Capernaum. We're talking about a town that comprised of about 1,500 people, archaeologists tell us. And most of that town was at that synagogue service. So you can imagine the multitude of people that Jesus personally healed. He ministered to them and he healed them. That takes more than just a couple minutes. That probably involved uh, an hour, maybe more. And so somewhere along this busy day, Jesus has got to find time to rest. Well, he doesn't find it during the day. Uh, He is teaching. He is preaching. He is healing. He is doing miracles. And of course, the Sermon on the Mount was this very same afternoon of this day. And he took time to teach them. And of course, we have the record of his teaching in Matthew chapter five, six and seven. That took more than just a few minutes. And so here we come to the end of this day. And verse 36, Mark records, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. So it was like a flotilla. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now listen to verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep, on a pillow. Now we know why Jesus was sleeping through this tempest, through this storm. He was exhausted. You mean to tell me, Brother John, that that Jesus could get exhausted? I'm exactly telling you that. Jesus was exhausted. He was fully God, but also fully man. He had a perfect body that possessed all of the divine nature, but it was still a body, and he did tire. He was exhausted. And I know exactly what this is like, because when I was in high school, the very first football game that I played uh, in high school, uh, we were a 40 man football team and we played against a team that had combined two teams. There were 80 people on the team that we played and there were fresh bodies coming in and out. And all we had was just a few of us. I'm telling you, by the end of that game, I was absolutely exhausted. And they they beat us like a drum. And so after the football game, when I got home, I just plopped on the couch and I instantly went to sleep and I did not wake up until in the morning. So I know what it's like to be so physically exhausted that you just collapse. And that's exactly basically what happened to the Lord Jesus. He was asleep on a pillow. And then you can imagine 
That boat was rocking. I mean, he was <laughs> he was being hit by waves, but he was still asleep and they had to awake him. Verse 38, the last part of this verse. And they said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Jesus was exhausted. Now, Luke records that the boat was filled with water and, and the boat was in jeopardy of sinking. Matthew records that the ship was covered with waves. And of course, Mark says that the ship was now full. The ship was full of water. But notice what Jesus does here in verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And I'm going to interject this. And immediately the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus spoke to that storm. Now I want to ask you a question. Who do you think caused that storm to come? Do you think it was God trying to sink that ship where all the disciples get drowned? along with the Lord Jesus? No, I don't think so. I don't think the Lord works against himself that way. No, that was the devil. No doubt about it. I tell you, I can imagine that the devil was really upset at what all Jesus had done in Capernaum that full day. Praise God. All the people that he had bound by sin, sickness, disease, Jesus freed them <laughs> did much damage to the Satan's kingdom of darkness, praise God, brought the light, dispelled the darkness. And I imagine the devil was pretty fed up with that. Well, he took advantage of the fact that Jesus was asleep, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because Jesus arose and immediately rebuked the wind and immediately the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And that speaks volumes to me. Listen, when my life is in a turmoil, when my head was knocked just where my feet were a few moments before, all I have to do is utter the name of Jesus, praise God, and the wind of life will cease and there will be a great calm. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if Jesus did that for the disciples and we are also disciples, don't you think that the Lord Jesus will do that for us? Absolutely. Praise God. Jesus, by authority and power, commands the spirits, and we're going to see that in just a little while, commands the spirits and they come out. Well, that same authority and power Jesus has given to the church. We are his body in this earth to carry on the ministry of the Lord Jesus all the way up until the time of the rapture. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Jesus was exhausted, but his physical exhaustion did not hamper his authority over the elements, the storm, the wind, the waves. Praise God. Amen. And that speaks to us. Even when we're physically tired, if we'll not look to that hindrance of physical weakness, but if we'll look to our strength and faith in the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we will not be hindered. And of course, verse 40, Jesus said that, and he said to them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, you had faith, why didn't you use it? What you see me do, you do. That is a clear token of our position in Christ Jesus. If we will just know who we are, 
we can do the very things Jesus did. Praise God. He told us we could. He said to the disciples, the works that I do, you'll do. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Think about the revelation that Paul gave to to write to the Ephesian church. And God has raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If Jesus was raised up far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, then in the lieu of the fact that we have been raised up and sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the church also has been raised up above these principalities and powers. What we see the devil doing in this world today is because we're allowing him to do that. But if we'll take our stand, praise God, and if we'll stand against him in the name of Jesus, amen, and if we'll pray, the most powerful weapon on earth is prayer and praise, then he's just, the devil's just not going to be able to do everything he wants to do. Amen. And of course, uh, verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, at this point, the disciples still didn't know who Jesus was. Notice they feared exceedingly. Matthew records that they marveled. Luke records that they wondered what manner or what kind of man is this? They still didn't know who Jesus was. (laughs) Oh, that's a great question for us today. Do we know who Jesus is? Do we really know who Jesus is? That's the reason why we're doing these studies. I want to know him. I want to know him in a greater way than I have ever known him before. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I believe that Jesus is going to answer our prayer. By the time we're finished with these lessons on the life of Jesus, we're going to know our Lord and Savior in a much more intimate and deeper way. Praise God. That's my prayer. Is that your prayer? I hope it is. (laughs) Amen. All right. Now we're in Mark chapter five, and we're going to be going through most of this chapter. And the first miracle that we're going to be looking at We're talking about healing miracle. Now, the the miracle with Jesus still in the tempest, that was definitely a miracle. But it's one that uh, that Jesus said, if you've got faith, you can do the same thing. Amen. Hallelujah. How many times have an impending storm come and we prayed and and uh, the thing, the storm all just all automatically just changed direction, went another way. People think that's odd. They think that's crazy, but I don't. All right. Mark chapter five, verse 20. And they came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. Now that's on the eastern coast of the Lake of Galilee. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Jesus didn't find this man. This demon possessed man found Jesus. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. So as the legions increased in this man, he increased in strength. They couldn't even bind him with chains. Verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. 
And constantly, night and day, among the tombs and in the mountains, he was crying out and gnashing himself with stones. Isn't that a pitiful situation for a man to be in? That is just absolutely terrible. I mean, it just makes your heart rend for this man, the awful condition that he had found himself in yielding to demon spirits and them getting inside of him and the demons inviting more demons to come in. And this man was in a pitiful situation. Almost now, and I say almost, almost beyond help. And I'm sure this man, even though he was possessed by the devil, there was something in this man that sensed he had an answer and found you. Isn't it something how the anointing dry draws the good, but it also draws the evil? Oh, I'm telling you, preachers, I'm telling you, evangelists, when the spirit of God is moving and the anointing is on you to preach, the anointing's on your church, the anointing is on your meetings, you better be praying and you better have people there praying with you. Because not only does the anointing draw good, it also draws evil. And that's exactly what happened here. The anointing that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ drew these demons in this man to him. And seeing Jesus, now I'm in verse six now, and seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed bef down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. And the reason this spirit, these spirits were being tormented is because Jesus, verse 8, had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit, speaking to him in an imperative, a command, commanding that spirit to come out. Once again, with authority and with power, Jesus commands the spirit and they come out. Amen. The number one thing that Jesus said as a sign to an unbeliever is, and they shall cast out devils. Well, how am I going to cast out a devil the same way Jesus did with authority of the name of Jesus and with power of the Holy Ghost? Now, it's got to be done in the power of the Holy Ghost. It can't be done in your power. It certainly can't be done in my power. We don't want to be like the sons of Sceva, do we? <laughs> Contend with the devil and get beat up and stripped naked and having to run away, fear for our lives. No, Jesus, that's not the way Jesus wants us to minister. We minister by the authority that's given to us in his name and by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's when we command spirits to leave and they must go. Praise God. Amen. Now, this is so very, very interesting how that this man was crying out with a loud voice. These spirits were crying out with a loud voice. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Notice that they were imploring Jesus by God, by Jehovah God. <laughs> I tell you, the devil is absolutely crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Verse nine. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to entreat him. The spirits now began to, speaking through this man, began to entreat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, you remember that parable that Jesus gave 
about when the spirit goes out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Amen. So evidently, these these demons were were centered in this locality. And there are localities where demons are resident. Amen. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to cast those demons out is what you're going to do. Take authority over them in the name of Jesus. Praise God. But notice it's got to be done in the spirit. Amen. You and I try to do it with soul power or in the flesh and the devils are going to laugh at us. But I tell you what, when the Holy Ghost through him in the spirit, we cast out devils. Praise God. All right. Verse nine again. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to entreat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there was a big herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. And the demons entreated him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. You know, some people uh, wonder, how in the world is it that Jews, <laughs> that Jews were herding swine? Well, I don't think they were actually Jews. I think they were more Gentiles than they were anything. Or uh, they could be what uh, is commonly uh, known as uh, half-bred Jews or something like that. But anyway, they had no business herding swine. But anyway, uh, verse 13, And he gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Now, I remember a preacher saying many years ago that even pigs have enough sense not to allow a devil to get on the inside of them. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but anyway... Verse 14, and their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind. And the very man who had had the legion and they became frightened. Now, here is the evidence. Here's Jesus. Here's the demon, the formerly demon-possessed man sitting down, clothed in, and in his right mind. They gave him clothes to where he put them on. He was in his right mind. He was back to himself. The one that had the legion, the one that formerly had 2,000 demons in him. But notice what the people did. They became frightened. And those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And notice this. And they began to entreat him, the Lord Jesus, to depart from their region. The natural mind cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Just can't do it. It had never occurred to them. Well, this man, Jesus, has authority over 2,000 demons. We need to keep this man around here to keep the demons away from us. No. What did they do? They wanted Jesus to leave. Get out of here. Leave this region. We don't want you around here. We would rather buddy up and bed down with demons than have the one that casts out demons near us. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it hard to understand how the natural mind works crossways against the things of the spirit? Now, verse 18, and he was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon possessed was entreating him, begging him 
that he might accompany him. I tell you, folks, if you're a born again Christian and you have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you, you do not need to be afraid of the devil. There is no way that Satan can get into your spirit and possess you. Now, he will oppress you. And if you give in to his thoughts, he'll obsess you. But he cannot possess you unless you apostatize and turn your back on Christ. No, you can stop it right at the door. When the devil knocks on your door to try to get into your mind, if you'll just answer with faith, the devil will run off. Just resist him. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you in stark raving terror. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can stand against having done all. You can stand against the evil day. You can do it. In verse 19, Jesus and Jesus did not let him, but said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which was the 10 cities now, not just a single town, 10 cities. He proclaimed all throughout Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, this second miracle is Jairus' daughter and uh, her healing. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He humbled himself. This incident here with Jairus, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the centurion, the one begging Jesus to heal his servant. Amen. It's the same, same attitude, the same faith. Verse 23, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may live and she shall live. That's exactly what the centurion said concerning Jesus. No, all you have to do is speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Amen. Now we're going to have to go down. Uh, Verse 24, we're going to have to skip down to verse 35. So verse 24, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. And while he yet spake, now I'm reading in Mark 5, 35 now, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid only believe. This is what robs most believers of the greater blessing is the fact that they get into fear. Fear is not faith. Fear is from this world. It doesn't come from the Lord Jesus. Faith comes from believing the word of God, acting upon the word of God. And so what Jesus was saying to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. In other words, don't allow your faith to be shaken. Don't allow the the word that was just spoken, the report, the evil report that you just received from your servants. Don't allow that evil report to disturb your faith, just like Joshua and Caleb. They had a good report. The 10 spies had an evil report. Amen. So you keep a good report. You stay in faith. Verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. 
And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees the tumult and then that wept and railed greatly. Oh, haven't you ever gone into a house and attempt to minister to people? And I tell you, people are just broken hearted. They're just weeping and wailing. And it's very hard to minister in a situation like that. And when he was come in, he said to them, why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. See, Jesus, is a, he is 100% a man of faith. He's walking in the spirit. He's not paying attention to anything going on in that house. He knows exactly what he's going to do. But the people didn't. Verse 40, and they laughed him to scorn. They made fun of him. But when he had put them all out, do you want to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus? Well, then work with them. Amen. Partner up with them. Agree with the Holy Ghost. Be led by the Spirit of God. Agree with the words of Jesus. And you know what Jesus will do? He will not put us out. But he put those people out and he put all the mourners out, didn't he? But when he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother of the damsel. They were the only two that were in faith. The mother was following the dad and the dad is the one that said, Jesus, heal my daughter and she shall live. And them that were with him, that's the disciples, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now, Jesus here was not speaking in other tongues. He was speaking in Aramaic. And Mark just records it that way. Verse 42, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now, why did Jesus charge them that no man should know it? Well, because there would have been an eruption. <laughs> Reminds me of a friend of mine who went to India on a mission trip and he had built a stage and, and ministering to multitudes of people. And so after he had finished, he called for people to come up for prayer. And the very first person that came up was a young girl that was born without eyes in her sockets. Her sockets were empty. They were a vacuum. And how and this and this brother of mine, being a man of faith, laid his hands on that girl and saw God, a creative miracle, put eyes in that young girl's sockets. That was his report. And he wouldn't lie about something like that. Well, what happened? That place erupted. They had to close the meeting down. People started rushing the podium. The podium was in danger of collapsing. They had to call the meeting off. Oh, I tell you. That's amazing what God can do. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Amen. Well, I see my time has passed gone. I'm going to have to take up this next time with the woman with the issue of blood. But I certainly have enjoyed this message. Praise God. I've enjoyed this session. I hope this session has built faith in you to believe God for greater and mighty things to be done in your life. And I pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. 
By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.